1: and gentlemen and welcome to getting it out podcast that was a whirlwind of grind from quebec soil of ignorance the track was flexible dictatorship it's off of their seven inch that came out earlier this year called through the portal it is a uh, what do we say it's got uh, like 13 tracks on it but it technically has one two three four five different parts this is like a rush grind album does that make sense you know, what I'm talking about like the way uh, like sections of a record is broken out into little chapters. This one astral gates open witnessing the arrival beyond knowledge and perception transition towards infinity through the portal of timelessness, all part of through the portal by soil of ignorance. And the song you just heard there was the second technically the second off of the through the portal ep which is available now on sonic bath records and give praise records there's also a cassette version on so2 records this came out earlier this year right in the middle of 2023 so if you want to look back and see if you can find yourself a copy you can do that or you can go over and buy it direct from the band via Bandcamp. i suggest you do one of those things whichever best suits you your style. Uh, speaking of Give Praise Records, we're talking to one of their label mates on this episode of the podcast, but we're jumping hemispheres, and we're going over to Belgium for a conversation with Rick Pelgrims of Travolta. But first, let's stop in New Jersey and visit with the Hot Zone fellas.
0: Kick it. Big family and a
1: It's the beginning of December. Some would say beginning to look a lot like Christmas, but I guess that depends on where you're currently at, where you live. Is it cold outside? Do people in warm tropical areas even celebrate Christmas? What the fuck is that like? Can't imagine. I mean, I've been loving global warming the last few years. It's really nice that it doesn't fucking snow here anymore in South Central Pennsylvania. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. I love the fact that it doesn't snow, though. Ironically, I now uh, live and work close enough that I rarely drive. So the snow wouldn't matter. Uh, Just kind of funny how that works out, huh? When I used to drive 45 minutes to work, it would snow all the time. Actually, I don't remember that ever happening, but, you know, I'm sure it did. Likely at some point in the past, I don't got an almanac here. You didn't come here for weather, but I do like how I timestamp nearly every episode of this podcast, which is effectively making them non-evergreen, anti-evergreen, which is something that every podcast should be, should be evergreen. So you can check it out, listen to it anytime. Well, I'm too punk rock for that shit, pal. You need to know what's going on. That's why I tell you sports scores and everything. I don't have sports scores for you this morning, though I can tell you that those stupid idiot Dallas Cowboys won last night against those stupid idiot Seattle Seahawks, who should have won the game. I don't actually know what happened. I didn't watch anything, but uh, I saw the score this morning and I was disappointed because anytime. Anything good happens for Dallas Cowboys. I am very disappointed. I don't know how anybody ever became a fan of that team. It's despicable. It. I have so much irrational hatred towards that stupid star and sports team and city and, and everyone who lives there. It's more than irrational. I would run a car off the road and I don't even care that much, but I do, I guess. It's just ingrained. It's, uh, I understand, it's like, Maybe this is my realization that I am like that old racist grandpa when people are like, you know, you got to give him you got to give him a break. He's from a different time. And I always think, no, we don't got to give him a break. That's not a that's not a good excuse. But I really feel like if somebody walks into my house like wearing a cowboy shirt, they certainly must leave at the least. I mean, maybe I make them turn it inside out. That'd be a good one. Do you remember, maybe if you're my age or older, when we were younger, and maybe it still happens, what the hell do I know? If somebody would wear a bad shirt to school, they would have to turn it inside out or go home. But usually the realistic option was to turn your shirt inside out. I remember my friend Billy had a Marilyn Manson shirt and I had a cop with a gun to his head. And it was really silly that he would even wear the shirt to school in the first place. Like, of course you can't wear that bill. Uh, His mom was our bus driver, by the way. Anyway, and they would always make him turn the shirt inside out. And he was clearly just doing it to get a rise out of the people there. And he honestly did live close enough that he could have walked home and changed his T-shirt, but he didn't. He rocked the inside out T-shirt all day. And I wonder if that's still happening. Are kids still wearing inside out T-shirts? Probably not because they don't got anything cool on their T-shirts anymore. I go to the gym and there's a ton of teenagers around me all the time. And it drives me nuts. Last night, I left early because there were just too many teenagers milling about doing nothing, just yapping at each other. I'm not sure what they're there for. They're young enough. They don't need to exercise like this, Uh, but they're in my way and I'm old and I need uh, a lot of time in there. I need to work some things out, I need to be less fat, keep the weight down, I should say, all right? I'm doing good, Uh, I need to be doing better and they need to get out of my way doing that. Anyway, teenagers can go to hell and this episode has nothing to do with that or the Dallas Cowboys or other things that have me disgruntled. It's not even about Christmas and that might be a disappointment for anybody who just flipped their calendar over to December, but what it is is a conversation With Rick Pelgrims, drummer of hardcore, power violence, punk rockers, Travolta. They're based out of Belgium. And I had a nice little lunchtime chat with my friend Rick. And I'm very happy to bring it to you now. But first, you know that I need to play a song for you from the band. You might have heard them at the end of the Trust Records episode recently. But now you're going to hear them right here. This track is called Broken Teeth and then my conversation with Rick I ask you to remember just one word the one word how did you find punk how did you get into punk music
2: well i got into punk music thanks to skateboarding um we had some older kids at the skate park playing in bands and listening to hardcore punk i think at that time i was like 12 13 years old listening to limbiscuit's Papa Roach and and those kind of new metal bands. And those kids were like, Hey, we've got other bands like old school hardcore bands. Um, I probably got minor threat from them and, and also stuff like Madball and Biohazards. They played in bands. I went to a local venue with my mom because I was afraid to enter the bar (laughs) being like (laughs) so small uh, I think it was uh, at age fourteen, and like from that moment, um, yeah, I got invited into the punk hardcore scene, and I I really loved it, the atmosphere, uh, the bands, and and the friendship, and the connection between music and skateboarding. I think that was very important for me back then, and it still is. That's very cool. I always say
1: skateboarding is the real gateway drug. Skateboarding gets people into so many cool things. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it is drugs, but sometimes it is just music. That's how I got into music too. Uh, summer before seventh grade, getting my first skateboard. And along with that came a comp CD. Actually, it was my first pair of skate shoes. And that got me into the whole hardcore puck thing. So like you, skateboarding was kind of an introduction for me and a lot of the bands that you mentioned are like the exact same bands that i was a listening to before i got into it and b listening to once i got into it kind of the gateway bands into the scene so tell me about uh what was happening uh, locally in belgium at that time for the hardcore punk scene what were the bands that you were going to see early on that were local to you
2: well when i was a little kid uh the scene was pretty Driving over here, there were a lot of shows um, in in some bars in uh, my neighborhoods. Um, mostly like local bands, but I can remember uh, the Brazilian band Ratos de Paraú. Don't uh, know if you know them. Sure. But it, uh, yeah, they they played at uh, like a really small venue in our uh, hometown. Oh, which other bands? Like, um, when I started listening to punk music and going to shows, there was a like a, a band over here called The Deal. Like, um, members went on to form the band Rise and Fall on Deadwish Records. I guess that band was an eye opener for me. The band The Deal, um, they played some kind of old school. Youth Crew Hardcore. Um, I think the, the biggest inspiration for me was a local band called Victims of Society. Only the people here know them. Some people in Spain also do. But I think um, for the rest, no one knows the bands. But uh awesome stuff. Just fast hardcore punk. The guitar player was a skater. Uh, I saw at the skate park. So... Uh, Someone pretty important for me, music-wise. And he also said to me, you gotta check out Raised Fists. You know the Swedish band Raised Fist? Yeah, sure. Well, they made an album called Dedication. Um, it's like they started as a youth crew band, old school hardcore, but they played a, a faster kind of music. A bit more metal sounding, and on that album, Dedication, the first time I heard it, it was like, "Whoa, it's it's harder and faster than everything I know." So I think that was also like the gateway band for me to check out more uh, dark hardcore stuff like Integrity and and Ringworm, like those Clevo bands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Belgium was also known for that, uh, for that
1: 8,000 scene era. Were you along for any of that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Belgium is is indeed uh, pretty known for the H8000 scene. Well, I think like the biggest bands, uh, were Liar and Congress. Yeah. Playing, uh, the edge metal style. Pretty hard. A lot of mushing. I do like it. Um, but, what I don't like about it sometimes was like uh, the atmosphere. I sometimes think in that area they thought they were like more important and better than uh, the rest of the peasants in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> you know
1: that's it's funny because there is a like direct correlation between that scene uh, in Europe and almost the same thing happening out of the out of the Cleveland area you know and it's it's it sounds kind of mirror each other and i think the attitudes really did too it's interesting
2: yeah indeed but like in that area in america like the h8000 scene over there probably bands like culture and morning again Mm -hmm. like i don't know older poison the well i love those bands i grew up with them like my interest in uh crust or grind or power violence came later
1: yeah so that that's what i was going to get to how how do you get there how do you get down this cuz like i always talk about with people who are into say like you said crust or power violence or even like stuff like grindcore or how That's not entry-level shit. We know that, right? You got to get in a couple layers before you find that stuff. This is not, it's not easily accessible music that you can just pick off the shelf and dive right into. So how did you make your way into being into this more extreme version of punk and hardcore?
2: Well, indeed, like you're saying, grindcore isn't exactly a gateway genre, but I do have to say something about that. I'm also a teacher. Um mm. in an elementary school. Like my kids are 10, 11 or 12 years old. A few years back, I had a kid. He was like 12 years old. He came from another country. Um, can't recall the country, but he spoke a little bit uh a little bit of English. So I could communicate with him. But um he like he, he was sweater of a new metal band, and I said like oh, so you like metal music? He was like 12 years old. Yes, I also like Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay. That's not really Gateway, but like he was 12 years old and he was listening to Cannibal Corpse. So I gave him a Converge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That was my way of being a good teacher. But um, like, how did I get into the grindcore scene a power violence scene? Well, um, like I said, my first interest was more old school, hardcore. Then it developed into a a darker sound. Um, I explored it for a little bit. And I think um, at the moment, like the biggest H8000 label uh, called Good Life Recordings, they had a sale and they sold some crust CDs. And uh, it was of a band called Unkind. I think it's a Swedish band. Not sure about it. Um, I'm not going to pronounce the album title. Can't pronounce it. It's too difficult. But um, yeah, like it was uh, for me, I think uh, a gateway cross band. And then I checked Tragedy. And like Tragedy, that's a really good band, man. Would that album title that you're
1: not wanting to pronounce sound anything like? Pelon No, it's an older one. Oh no, I okay. Think- I saying, there's there's no way. I I it's just funny because I just pulled this off the shelf behind me. I was like, is he talking <laughs> about this band? I don't <laughs> remember what this record sounds
2: like. Um I think it's a mitam but I'll maybe it's pronounced it. differently. Cool, cool, cool. So uh,
1: that's 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 interesting though to get into it that way because that's I I don't feel like a lot of people um have the opportunity to discover music like that anymore because that's just not how it's done anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like people don't just buy a stack of stuff that looks cool and then hope it's sa- hope it's good. Hope they enjoy it.
2: Well, um, I'm a records collector and, and uh CD collector. So I, uh, I don't even have a Spotify account. I always buy my stuff. Um, And like back in the days, it was pretty important for me to like uh, open a booklet and check out the thanks list. Like uh, which bands are they uh, mentioning here? Going to check them out. And that's how I think me and a lot of other people discovered new bands. I'm I'm the same as
1: you. That's the way I came up doing it as well, though. I am a Spotify user at this point. But uh, yeah, I, I still buy a shitload of records. Uh, not as many CDs because they I don't even, I don't even have a CD player at this point but I still do occasionally buy CDs which doesn't make any sense but uh that's just, <laughs> that's just the way it is
2: it's pretty cheap a CD player it's cheaper yeah. than uh buying a few records so uh I can recommend it to you but I have, I have both you need both you need it need multiple you know that's yeah.
1: I can never have enough of either if I'm being honest but all right so you uh you you find your music you kind of narrow in on a sound that you really like. When does, when do you start playing in
2: bands? (laughs) Um, Travolta formed in 2015. So um, it was also my first band. I was interested in uh, music way longer than, than uh, before 2015, of course, Uh but um, I was always skateboarding, skateboarding and going to shows. Uh, those two things were the most important for me. But uh, suddenly my best friend told me like, we should start a band. And then we formed uh, Travolta or yeah something like Travolta grew out of it. Well,
1: I, all right. So the, the real obvious question, oh, first of all, it's cool that this is your first band. I think that's awesome. Um, second question, which is the obvious one, how the hell did you come up with calling the band Travolta and being this, what it's titled as like a celebrity themed power violence? Where did this concept come from?
2: Yeah. Well, um, we were discussing a band name and we weren't sure about, uh, which one to pick. Like, uh, we, we didn't want some kind of cliche name with, with words like blood and guts and skull in it. Um, (laughs) It had to have some kind of, I don't know. Uh, if if you like hear the band's name, it was important for us that you couldn't make a, a genre out of it. Like, would it be a death metal band or a grindcore band or a hardcore punk band or like a, a, a hip hop producer? I don't know. Like if you say if you say to a granny, "I play in Travolta," then she's like. Oh, yes, boy. I want to hear it. (laughs) Um, No, we were just laughing with it. Like the the first name we came up with was Van Damme, Van Damme, like Jean-Claude Van Damme, the famous actor. Yeah. Um, I think Travolta is is better. (laughs) Our bass player also makes artwork. So we already had some ideas with Travolta. Um, But our singer... Like we chose the name before we had a singer, and then uh, our singer joined in. And at first, he didn't like the band name. He had to get used of it. What's he think of it now? Yeah, now he likes it.
1: <laughs> good, good. Yeah. good. Well, you guys, uh, this you guys started up in what? It was only 2015, not that long ago, I'd say. Indeed,
2: 2015. Um, our first. Uh, Demo release was in late 2015, beginning of 2016, like on a uh, a little CD, self-made. Uh, I think in 2016, our first split 10-inch uh, arrived. And then we made some records and played some uh, songs and uh, made some new songs and played again. And we were outspoken on stage and stuff like that.
1: And that first, uh, that first split was with Days
2: of Desolation, correct? Indeed. Days of Desolation is also um, the first band we played with. Like our first show in our hometown was with Days of Desolation. It's a very nice grindcore band with a lot of crust influences. Like their first releases were like a perfect mixture between grindcore and melodic crust. Nowadays, they have more uh, melodic stuff in their music and they sound a bit like, I think it's a Canadian band, Fuck the Facts. Mm, okay, yeah. So you should definitely check Days of Desolation out. Very good band. I will. I certainly will. Um,
1: that From there, you've done a few splits, actually, uh, four that I'm aware of. Um, but, but not only just split seven inches, you kind of hit every format at 10 inch, a seven inch, a 12 inch, right? So, uh, tell me about the idea of doing splits. Is there something about a split or is there something that makes a split good to you?
2: Well, if you don't want to do a split, you have to have a lot of songs and music. Mm -hmm. So, um, no, I think the real reason we decided to do splits in the beginning Um, was was to get better connections with uh, the scene, with people in it, with labels, doing a split, uh, had some opportunities for us. Like um, our first split with Days of Desolation. Days of Desolation was more known than us because we were pretty new. Mm -hmm. Um, Like also our... uh, Second split, if I'm not mistaken, it's a split seven inch with uh, yeah, it's a Dutch name, gewoon fucking raga. If I have to translate it to English, it's like just fucking play like a, a really fast, uh, fastcore power violence band, yeah, like they were from Holland, so that way our music also got into Holland, the Netherlands. Um, yeah, it's better to spread your music through split records. Of course um, what's not the best about split records is sometimes the waiting time if like uh, you recorded your music and you have to wait for another band. It it can take a while of course but it was the way uh, we wanted to work in the beginning to build up to our uh, first full length in 2019 called intinnitus we crust which is a cool name by the way i like that cuz so that's referring to uh, the
1: ringing in the ears right
0: life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com
2: And the crust music, of course. Yeah. You can also see it in uh, in the artwork, if I'm not mistaken. It's like an, an ear and a, a pin through the ear. Oh, see, the
1: the art that I saw for it is the uh, Travolta in corpse paint.
2: Yeah, it's it's the back of the LP or ah, like the, gotcha. the inlay or something like that. We also have it on a cassette on a, with multiple artworks. That's very
1: cool. Yeah. It's, it's, you guys have been pretty prolific since starting and uh, being around eight years. You have several releases uh, and your songs are short and fast, of course. So that's a lot of songs. Uh, is is having the theme to the band, does that make it easier to come up with material?
2: Um, not really. Um, we're called Travolta. Like it doesn't always revolve around John Travolta but it can be an inspiration for us. Like we have a song called Our Man John Loves Them All. It's about uh, LGBTQ plus and accepting it. Mm -hmm. And like, um, if I'm not mistaken, there was a rumor about John Travolta kissing a guy in the toilet. So (laughs) we used uh, a new sample about it and we made a song uh, of it. But it's not that Travolta comes into our lyrics or artwork every time i think even less and less um also like it would be pretty shitty if we'd only sing about travolta because um i think for us as a band our lyrics are pretty important um we're anti-racism um we we're like always try to take a stand on stage. We're pretty outspoken about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I think uh, that's also something very important for our singer because he's he's like a a very uh, active person being uh, socially aware and like rallying against racism and, and homophobia and stuff like that. Um, I think that's, uh, that's also like some kind of power we try to possess as a band, like the lyrical, um, importance of our songs. That's also, um, in between songs or like after two or three songs, our singer, um, always talks about what he sings about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And I was going to ask you about that because with the, uh, kind of, Ridiculous imagery and some of the song titles—it could get lost or perceived that you're not a serious band. But when, but it only takes like one listen to one of your records, and to to anybody who can hear the the words out of this music, can very quickly hear or ascertain that you guys are uh, w- where you're aligned politically and what the message really is behind the music.
2: Yes, indeed, uh, we're we're a very uh, political band. Like we, um, even did a live recording at a German festival called Grind the Nazi Scum. So, um, for the artwork, we took it, uh, pretty serious. So we had like a, a uh, Nazi hands being grinded into a meat grinder to pulp. So, um, yeah, that was like our statement against, uh, racism. Like uh, the fun thing about that record, we had like a, a limited edition, like a, a black and a white version. The black version was a limited edition. It also had like a, a screen print and anti-Nazi uh, screen print and a booklet. And the booklets, that's that's like very important for, for our message it contains drawings of children from my school. And um, I work in a school with a lot of Muslim kids. Mm. And like a few years ago, there was a a rally. um, A rally, how should I say it? Uh, They were rallying for like getting the Muslims out of, of town. It was pretty racist and like, yeah. um, they stickered our school. with like stickers with slogans, like get out of the country, take the plane, stuff like that. So like really racist. So, um, like the kids made anti-racist drawings and I included it in our LP. I think, uh, that's a nice statement.
1: Yeah, it is. And actually I'm looking at it right now on the screen. It's, it's, it's very cool. Um, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about this until you're talking about it. So I looked it up and uh, I see a little bit of what you, what you mean. Uh, it's very uh, interesting. Is there any conflict with being in a band like Travolta and having your job?
2: Um, no, not, not really. <laughs>
1: like were there, were, were kids aware that the, you were using this stuff to put into the record?
2: Ah, uh, um, no. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> no, the the kids don't know. They know I'm a drummer and I play in bands, but like Travolta isn't a gateway band for someone who listens to Miley Cyrus or stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have a 10-year-old and uh, well and a 16-year-old, but a 10 the 10-year-old could never listen to this music and comprehend anything that's going on. It'd just be nonsense to her, you know?
2: yeah in indeed i have the same i have a, a daughter of 7 years old and uh, when she hears my music yeah it's just yelling for her of course <laughs> and you know sometimes it is just yelling but we like it right that's <laughs> indeed defiant yelling that's important <laughs>
1: <laughs> well your latest record disco violence of yours like i said i heard about it i think because GivePraise Records uh, emailed me about it and sent me a a download of it and I checked it out and enjoyed it. Uh, But that's not the only label you're working with. You've got quite a few, actually, at least even just on that one release. So tell
2: me about
1: that. How does that
2: all work? So Disco Violence Up Yours is released by uh, more than one label. Um, The European label for the final release is Loner Cult Records. That's our own uh, record label. We uh, often do final from um, other bands we're we're befriended with or bands we like, like a lot of bands in in Belgium, uh, but also the Netherlands, France, Germany. We also did uh, some US bands and um, Japanese bands. So a lot of things. (laughs) But uh yeah we're uh, doing the final release on our own, but like um the American part is done by Give Praise Records by uh Paul Sunderland. So uh he did a great job telling you about the album. Um, hope you like it, of course. Um it's it's pretty hard for us to find labels overseas or to ship the records overseas because it's pretty expensive. Um, the other way around is even more difficult because customs are a, are a real pain in the ass for us. Um, they're charging us extra. So everything costs a lot more. The CD version of Disco Violence Up Yours is released by Self Made Gods. Um, I'm pretty fond of it because I really like that label. They done some awesome records in the past, like Takafumi Matsubara, or like Antigama. That's a grind band I really love. Or like the Kings of Score from Belgium, Aghetocles. Um, so I'm pretty happy they could help us out, self-made gods, with it. Mm-hmm. Also in Australia, Grindhead Records released uh, our records. Um, we met that guy. He, he toured with Matt Leopards and Power Chuck, And they played a show in Belgium with us. I think we played a really shitty show. It was the last show of our tour. We shouldn't have done that show, in my opinion. My drumming was really bad that night, but I think he, he liked it because uh he releases our records nowadays in Australia, so awesome. Soon out on Shoff Records from Italy is our cassette, and it's almost on its way. I think in a in a few weeks we'll have it. Um Shoff Records is also a label uh that did our CD version of Intinatus Recrust. Um, And he also did other bands from our singer in the past.
1: Wow. So not only are you or have you done a great job networking by releasing um, splits on several different labels, uh, you're doing the same thing basically with uh, the split release of your records. Uh, It's very cool. I love seeing that um, utilizing different labels in different countries for different formats And it's just different uses and it gets a lot of people involved. And when it seems to work um, harmoniously like it is here, I think it's a very cool thing.
2: Indeed, when it works, it works. Um, It's good to have many labels to back you up. Also, it's uh, interesting for them financially wise. Mm -hmm. If you have to pay for like 500 copies of 1LP from an unknown Belgian band, for a lot of labels, that's too much, and I understand it. So um, that's why we chose to take like more than one label. I have to say, like with our uh, split ten inch from two thousand sixteen, we had like more than than ten labels, maybe twelve or thirteen labels. It was a bit too much. Also <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Nowadays, we've gotten a little bit. Bigger with Loner cult records we're like really super diy but we did release some stuff it's it's not like five years ago so we can take like more copies than in the past so um nowadays like for final which we think is uh for us the the most uh important we try to do it like more ourselves in in europe and like for uh other continents, other labels, but like here in Europe, we try to do it ourselves and the CD and and cassettes. Those are for uh, other labels. No problem about that. That's very cool. It seems
1: uh, all very well thought out too. Um, Do you, do you, uh, you mentioned, you know, you got a pretty professional job and a kid of your own. So that's a busy life just with that. I know, you know, myself doing the same stuff. Uh, how do you balance in Travolta? Do you guys do you guys play a lot? Do you practice a
2: lot? Well, yeah, we uh, do have some shows. Um, I think, like on a monthly base, we we play like uh, it's hard to say. Like sometimes two shows, sometimes we play six shows. We mm-hmm. we have some shows, yeah, on a monthly base. Um, sometimes it's it's hard uh, with a job or or with my family. Like, for instance, this weekend, we're playing uh, three shows in Germany. So I have to leave my two kids uh, and my wife alone. But okay, she she agrees with me. I can also play like uh, football, go to practice like four times, um, get drunk after every practice, (laughs) do a match in the weekends. No, that's not uh, my way. I'm, uh, I don't drink. I'm straight edge. Uh, try to rehearse like one time in a week. Doesn't always work out. But like most weekends, we, we try to play, uh, shows. We, uh, we need that kind of energy because that's important for us. Like the life energy, um, it feeds us. Yeah. It's very cool. I like, I like, uh,
1: it seems like such a, such a healthy hobby to have a help, healthy outlet, you know?
2: Well, I think, um, there's a lot to dislike in the world or, or to hate about humanity or, or, or the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very good outlet, I think for everyone in the band, um, fighting our own struggles and, and demons or stuff like that. Um, and also trying to educate other people with our message. Well,
1: what, what type of uh, expectations or hopes do you have? Is there anything that you want to do with uh, with Travolta yet that you haven't been able to accomplish?
2: Well, this year we played Flufffest and Obscene Extreme, so that was pretty bucket list for us. Um, let's just say we want to uh, keep making uh, new friends. Um, playing nice shows, eating some good vegan food or stuff like that um like just being friends with each other, like friendship that's uh the most important thing, and um let's hope to catch the world a bit like seeing glimpses of of nice cities and stuff like that that's very cool and very i I mean this as a compliment,
1: very basic. Or let me add to that, it's a very mature way to uh be in a band. And I think it's it's like a it's a wise way to take it. It seems like you guys really enjoy this and you're doing it the right way for the right reasons.
2: Yeah, it's not about the money. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, it's that'd, be a, uh, it's that'd about... be a problem,
1: right? If it was about the money.
2: Yeah, I think uh if if you want to do it for the money. We have to play metal or stuff like that, but (laughs) um, different sound, yeah. Yeah, we have to have a different sound, and we have to uh, sing about I don't know, like demons and snakes and forests and dragons and stuff like that. But uh, that's not our uh, our thingy.
1: <laughs> all right so uh what is what is next i know you mentioned you have some sh- shows coming up soon uh but as far as you released this record uh disco violence up yours earlier this year is there any new recorded music coming anytime soon
2: well we're making new songs for a split 10 inch. Yes, we're doing a split back again um normally with a german band called Oriole of ash um like we're, we're making the songs. We have blueprints. Um, I think we're playing two new songs live. Um, and they're like a mixture of power violence with some kind of Charles Bronson vibe in it meets, I don't know, weekend nachos. We, we have some stomping hardcore riffs in it because we all love. A good stomp <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Who we, um, yeah, I like. I have to end it with like the phrase Hultje Power Violence Stomp, and like only um, the Belgium listeners will understand. But um like we're a band from Hultje. That's like uh, that's like our capital of Belgium, and um we're here to represent the Hultje Power Violence Stomp. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you have it that was my conversation with rick of travolta the song you just heard was disco violence up yours that's the title track from their lp they dropped earlier this year on give praise records and a whole bunch of other labels we went through them earlier you can look it up you can find whichever format fits you best in whichever country you're living in Maybe your options are limited. Maybe they're not. I'm sure people are willing to ship all over the world as long as you're willing to pay the exorbitant prices. That's up to you, man. But what's not up to you is how hard that it rocks. It rocks no matter how much you want to try and deny it or accept it. It still rocks more than you think it does. All right. So thank you to Travolta for that. Thank you to Rick for his time, for his conversation, for joining me for lunchtime chat i love talking to people in europe over my lunch break and uh, rick was another great example of time well spent and i'm happy to share that here with everybody else again the band travolta the song disco violence up yours the album disco violence up yours the label several check it out wherever you can what else should you check out wherever you can well getting it is a good place to start you know you can go there to get the list of new releases. Well, new release lists are the new releases are winding down here at the end of the year. One month to go. Do you got your album of the year list ready? I have my picks, but not my order. It's important. We all know we're looking forward to these things all year long. No matter how much we try to deny it, it's important to all of us. We go to sleep every night thinking about it. We wake up, we think about it, and then we do nothing. We procrastinate. And uh, move on with our day and look at what other people have and go, that's wrong. Here's what's right. I'm not going to do that to you, but I am going to suggest that you do check out what's going on at gettingitout.net. As there is always plenty happening on that page, maybe not so much here at the end of the year as life gets a little busy, but I'll try to keep it moving. As usual, it's time to end this podcast, and I'm going to do that by staying over in Europe with a song from a band who has a new 7-inch called Trapped. This song is called Trapped. They are a Dutch group formed in 2008. They're called Swim or Drown. I've played a track from them before on the podcast, I believe. But like I said, they have a new one, a new 7-inch. is called Trapped, and this is the title track from that. Metallic Hardcore, if that's your thing, it is mine. Doesn't quite match with what I did here with Travolta, but you know what? I do not give a shit, as we say here in Dallas, Texas. But that's it for this one. Thank you for listening. This is Trapped by Swimmer Drown. Bye-bye.